We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. and singers this morning. Amen. Yeah, that's good. That is good. You know, I always say there's no such things like accident. There's no such things as accident or coincidences. There's no such thing. Everything is divine appointments from God. Amen. Amen. All right. Are you ready for the word this morning? Man, I have a word from the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and be turning with me to the book of Matthew. And while you're turning there, so great to see you in the house of the Lord. If you're watching online, Glad that you're joining us today. So good to see you all. Look at the person on your right and say, boy, you sure look good sitting by me. Look at the person on your left and because you looked at the person on your right first, right? Look at the person on your left and say, ditto, ditto, amen, amen. I, I want to, I'm going to start. For the next few weeks, today, this morning, and this this evening as well, and next Sunday as well, I want I want to talk on a subject called our house. Our house. You see the the colorful poster board, the balloons that are on the wall, and the the names, the words that are that are written upon those. And we're going to talk about some of those throughout the next few services. But our house. Our house, our our vision, in praying and in preparing for this, but in, in prayer over the last few years, God has given me a vision for this church, and the vision statement is love Jesus and love people as Jesus did. Love Jesus, you can't go wrong with that, right? And if we love Jesus, then if we love people like Jesus did. Because whether you want to think about it or not, some of the people that we're around, the only Jesus that they get will be you. Also praying and asking God for some core values. These are some things that you're hopefully, over the next few months of time, you'll be seeing more around our church. But our core values are going to be these three things. Connecting to God. It's important, right? Connecting to God, connecting to people, and connecting to the harvest. Connecting to God, connecting to people, and connecting to the harvest. This morning, I want to kick this off, and I, and I'm, I hopefully won't 
keep you very long this morning, but I want you to think about something this morning. If you were to, if if you were asked, or if someone asked you what, what or what they think about church, you better be prepared for a variety of answers, right? It may it may in 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 ensue or inspire feelings of anger. It may cause feelings of sadness, but it also may inspire feelings of joy and hope. Just depending on the person you're asking, right, or, or the, the person that you're around at that time. And it, depending on their experiences that they have had or the experiences that you have had. But hopefully over the next few weeks of time, we can be able to talk about our values and, and the purpose of our church and the purpose of our, our vision and the purpose of us being here at 11 421 SR27 Hector, Arkansas 72843. The reason that this church sits here is not just to take up space. This is our house. This is our house. This is our church. This is where we have congregated for, I think, the first church that I know that the establishment was in 1918. I have paperwork in my office. I have a picture that is the first church building. I think the actual church started long, uh, maybe a little bit before 1918, before the first church, but there's history here. And many of you have been part of that, but there's more about the future. That there should be more about the future than there should be about the past. Oh, don't shout me down. The past is gone. You can't, I mean, it's, it's, it's all fun and games to, to reminisce and talk about the good old days, but how many of you want to say that the good old days are still in front of us? Yeah, I mean, we, it was all, it's been good. I can remember as a kid growing up in this church the fun things and the exciting things and the move of God that happened on this property. But I'm not satisfied with that. I want more. I want something new. I want something fresh. I want something that future generations can be excited about and that can say the same things. I know there are some that are here this morning that, that don't have a clue with what I'm talking about. You don't have a clue because you either was not a here, you wasn't born, you wasn't a part of this church, maybe you lived in a different place at the time, but there are some things that we can be excited about and there's no other way that this is going to happen, continue to happen, if you're not excited. It's, it's kind of hard. Boy, that you really sound excited this morning. It's kind of hard to get excited about something if you're not excited about it. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 9. I, I, I want to, you don't have to stand this morning because I'm just going to jump right through. I'm going to give the highlights of the entire chapter. So just, just, just roll with me. It's 38 verses, and it would be horrible if I tried to read all 38 in a short amount of time. So 38 verses, chapter 9. But this is a story of Jesus, and he he's stirs up the father of his followers with a compassionate uh, love and a compassionate love for others and things that he's calling them to share the truth, but he's, he's living it out by example. 
In the first eight verses, Jesus heals the paralytic. And, and I love these parts, the, written, the parts that are written in red. He says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. There's hope in that, right? There's hope in knowing that your sins are forgiven, that you are, you are free from the things that bind you. It goes on, he's talking about, uh, well, he, he says, your sins are forgiven, rise up and walk. There's nothing more powerful than being healed. How many of you have been healed this morning? How many of you need healing this morning? There are many of us across this place that need a touch from God. I'm not trying to minimize anything or blow something up in, in any one person. There are times in our lives when we need a miraculous touch of God. There are times when he shows up, and there are times when it doesn't happen the way you want it to. I can't explain that. All I know is, is to continue to put my faith and my trust in him. He knows best, right? This will go a whole lot faster if you'll help me out this morning. He knows best. Jesus is stirring up the people that are following him. I love the next part. In, in, in verses 9 through 13, he's calling Matthew. He calls Matthew. He said, come on, follow me. Follow me. And he rose and he followed him. How many of us, Jesus has spoken to you, maybe not in an audible voice. He said, come on, I want you to be a part of this. And we choose to sit and sit back and let it pass on by. How many of us allow? Sure, we can come to church. We can go through all the motions. But we allow the presence of God to go away from us. And we think that, well, I can sit here and get all I need. Jesus calls Matthew. He's a tax collector. I love this part. He says, but when he heard this, you know, they, they were all talking about, they said to his, why does Jesus eat and sit with the tax collectors and sinners? Why, why, why does this guy choose to sit with this ungodly group of people? Why? Jesus responds after he hears it. He says, those who are well have no need of a doctor, have no need of a physician. If you feel good, you don't go to the doctor. So you don't go to the doctor. Jesus is saying, these people need me. There are people around us every single day that not necessarily need you, but they need what you have. They need the Jesus that lives within you. You look around this room and, the, and you, see, you see these things like Sunday school. You got substitutes and teachers or, or you, you got youth ministry and youth, youth sponsors and you got nursery workers and we got babies in our church and we need nursery workers and we got a grounds team and an usher team and, and, and cleaning teams and, and all of these greeting teams. I can't even read that far. Other kids ministry. On Wednesday nights and on Sunday night, Sunday mornings, we got all these needs, all of these places where you think, I don't have anything to do. Look around. There are things to do. There are people waiting on you. Some of them are little kids. Bible's very clear in Proverbs. Train them up in the way that they should go, and they will not depart from it. 
How many believe the Scripture is true? It's true, right? It's true. If we say it and we believe it, if we read it and we believe it, if we speak it and we believe it, then why not believe it? Sharing it with those, even if it's a little kid's Sunday school class or, or if it's kids' church or if it's greeting somebody when they come in or, or whatever it may be, we are all doing. There's a purpose behind everything. Verses 14 through, through 6, 17, question about fasting. Everybody's got a question about fasting. What does it mean? How come I can't do that? I can't do that. I can't fast. can't go without food. can't go without my... Yeah, whatever you can't go without, you can. You need to. Every once in a while, we move those things away from us as the desires or the feels like we need them and allow God to move in and to take up residence and speak to you through divine appointment. I love this. He says, and Jesus, in, written ready, he said, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. You can't go to a party and say, well, I can't, I can't eat. I'm, I'm just fasting. When the party is over, you can fast. That's just an example. You with me? All right. Verse 18 through verse 26. I talked about this a few weeks ago. Jairus' daughter, the woman healed with the, the, the issue of blood. There are needs. Things are happening. Jesus is on this tour. He's going from synagogue to synagogue, city to city, and he's performing these miracles. He's answering questions. He's doing all of this as an example because he knows what's happening or knows what's fixing to happen, not only to him, but he's fixing to give the Sermon on the Mount. He's fixing to, to, to send out his disciples, and he's fixing to give the Great Commission He's fixing to do all of this stuff. He is teaching. He's leading by example. How many of you like good examples? How many of you can only do things when somebody has showed you how to do it? Jesus is doing that for us. Not just for the 12, not just for those that are following him. He's doing it for us today. The same yesterday, the same today, and Forever. He's the same. All of this is not by accident. This is by divine appointment. Verses 27 through 34, or 27 through 31, he heals two blind men. He says, do you believe I am able to do this? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? I love verse 29. He says, according to your faith, be it done unto you. I like that. I like that. I like that. He, he, he can see in you. He can see the faith that you have. And guess what? You have the same amount of faith as I have, as this side. We all have been given a measure of faith. You can say, well, I don't have enough faith. I don't have faith like Susan does. Susan's found out how to put it into action. I have it. 
Maybe you haven't. Or maybe I can look at somebody and say, well, they've got more faith than I do. We have all been given faith. we just got to figure out how to use it. Getting closer to God, reading your words, spending time in prayer, knowing who he is, that's the key. You can't just roll up in the church, I got faith. Here's my faith. I'm going to put it on the altar. Put my faith on the altar. All right, God, do something. And then turn around and walk away, but you pick it up and you put it back in your pocket. You don't give it and you don't leave it. Verse 32 through 34, Jesus heals the unspeakable. The, he heals a man unable to speak. Verses 35 to 38. I want to camp out right here just for a moment. It says, And Jesus went through the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And he saw the crowds. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. The religious leaders of that time kept changing their theology, kept changing their their ways. They really didn't like Jesus. They didn't like Christ. They didn't like anything that he was doing. He was the, he was the complete opposite of what they expected. He did, they didn't like him. They were trying to arrest him and find him fault and, and get him into a place where he couldn't get out of. And all of these people are thinking, well, their religious leaders are saying this, but if this is the Messiah... If he's, he's doing something that's complete opposite of what they're saying, how can we believe this? And them come under, under attack. Well, you cannot do anything on the Sabbath. You can't lift anything. You can't do absolutely anything on the Sabbath. They were more worried about the law than they were the relationship. They were more worried about the particulars and the, and the fine print. Who reads fine print? When you signed your cell phone contract, did you read every page of that? When you buy a vehicle, do you read every detail of that contract? Or do you just sign it in what? Faith. Faith. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Father, thank you today for your blessing, for the opportunity to share your word and what you have for us today. Speak through me. and Allow your words to resonate within us. In Jesus' name, amen. I know I've hit on a lot of my notes already this morning, but Jesus is addressing the disciples. He's addressing us today. If there, as long as there is breath in your lungs, 
you have something to give. As long as you are able to speak, there is something that you can do for the glory of God. How many of you, if you were asked this question, how many of you would believe or believe that evangelism is important? It's important. Even for our kids. I hear stories of of little ones that are inviting their friends from school to come to to vacation Bible school or come to Wednesday night or come to Sunday school or come to children's church. They're not ashamed. They're not afraid. This sermon, I I really, I'm really, I hope this doesn't come across this way. I'm really not trying to to beat you down this morning, but I, I felt like the Lord is wanting us to understand that if a child is not ashamed to invite somebody, why should we be ashamed? Well, I have an image to keep. I have a reputation to guard. If you're guarding a reputation that keeps you from talking about Christ, you need to change your reputation. If you have an image that doesn't portray Christ, you need to change the image that you're sending out. Well, that's good preaching. I don't care who you are right there. That is good. If you do not portray Christ in your day-to-day life, you need to change. You need to change. These things that are on the walls, they're, they're on the walls for a reason. And we're going to talk about them some more tonight. But it's important for us to know that it's okay to talk about our faith. It's okay for somebody to see your vehicle sitting in the church parking lot. It's okay for somebody to see you walking in these doors. It's okay for somebody to see you. Maybe it's on an online presence. Maybe, I I don't know, or see your comment, or you're sharing the church's Facebook page, or anything. It's okay for people to see where you belong, to see what you believe. You're posting a scripture, something miraculous that happened in your life. You need to know that it's okay to share those things. It's important that you share those things. And I know that some some believe or some think that feel like Facebook is not good. I get it. Facebook isn't good. But if the enemy is taking up residence on Facebook, I need to be there to so God can have a presence on Facebook. I knew that one wouldn't go over very good. Now look, I don't get on Facebook and I'm not trying I, hear me and hear me well. If you are going to be on Facebook and you're going to be a part of of a church, whether it's HFA or wherever it may be, it needs you better. You need to be representing Christ over everything else. Did I back up? Did I cover that good? Because people know... I'm fixing to connect the dots because they see you parked in the parking lot. They see you sharing things that are connected with the church, a church, wherever that church may be. And then they also see 
all the negative stuff that comes out of your feed. So, Zacchaeus, somebody planted the seed that grew into a tree that he could experience the presence of Christ. Seeds grow into things. Right? That's how it works, right? Seeds grow into things. There are good seeds that you can reap the harvest, and then there are seeds that grow into thistles. Do I have any farmers that hate thistles? Anybody that don't like thistles, those... Anybody like cookburs? Those things that stick you and poke you and cause you to be uncomfortable? They start with a seed too. You can spend, I know when, when my mom and, and my stepdad, Larry, when they lived in, in, in West Fork before my stepdad passed, my mom would spend days after days after days trying to eradicate the thistle population on their property. She would dig them up. She would spray them. She would burn them. She would try everything. But you know what? They always kept coming back because of the seed. If you want a crop, you've got to plant the seed, the good seed, the seed that you want, the, 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 the fruit that you want to partake of. It's important. It's important. Seeds. Our world is changing. Everybody say amen on that one, won't you? It's changing. Sharing the gospel today is harder than ever, probably, but it's also easier. You have the ability to broadcast it all over the world. But our generations are changing. I look across this sanctuary and I see, I see some that are, well, my grandparents' age, late 80s, getting close to 90, have some that are in between, the next one's down. We have the, the greatest generation, we have the boomer generation, we have gen X, we have the millennials, I'm a Gen X, we have millennials and then we have Gen Z. Barna is a Christian organization that does studies, provides statistics for churches on many things. In 2018, they did a study on sharing the gospel in conversation that highlights all the differences. And the name of the article was Ready But Not Willing to Talk About Faith. It says, almost all practicing Christians believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus, ranging from 95 to 97%. 
that's among all generational groups. And that, that, and that the best thing they could ever happen, that could ever happen to someone is for them to know Jesus. That's 94 to 97%. Here's where it gets sad. Millennials. Millennials are anyone, now I know there, there are others that will say dates are different, but for the most part, if you were born between 81 and 96, you fall into the millennials. And I'm not trying to throw shade, and I'm not trying to bash anyone this morning, because you may not be in this. But millennials in particular feel equipped to share their faith with others. For instance, almost three-quarters say they know how to respond when someone raises questions about their faith and that they are gifted at sharing their faith with other people. This is higher than any other generation, any generational group. Despite this, millennials are unsure about the actual practice of evangelism. Everything on the walls this morning is tied or connected to our church and evolves around evangelism in some way, fashion, or form. But here is the statistic that blows my mind. Out of those practicing millennials, almost half, 47% agree at least what at least somewhat that is wrong that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith this is compared to a little over one quarter 27% gen x baby baby boomers the boomer generation 19% and the elders 20% Though Gen Z teens were not included in this study, their, thir- their thorough, thoroughly post-Christian culture will likely amplify the stance toward evangelism. That may, you may not understand anything that I just read. Let me put it to you like this. If you look at the stats, the farther we're getting away, the younger the people are, the less likely they are to share about Christ. If 47% of them, of the, of the millennials, believe that it's not important, that it's irrelevant, that they feel like it's not important to share the stories, how many of us have experienced, or you're here today because somebody shared with you? You can say, I am a Christian. I am a born-again believer. I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin died on a cross, placed in a grave, and rose from the dead. If you can say those things, that somebody had an influence in your life so that you could believe that today. The farther, the, the, the younger the generations, the more likely that opportunity is going to happen. When I start talking about post Christian culture. I know when, when you read a lot of books and you read a lot of things or hear people talking on, 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 on sermons and throughout the week, you hear this word, you hear post, post-Christian posture. What this means 
What this means, and I, I wrote this down so I wouldn't get it wrong. It means this. The term post-Christian has no universally accepted definition, though it is often applied to modern Western cultures. That's us. In that use, a post-Christian society is historically based on Christian ideas, which is us, right? I mean, anybody, you take out a dollar bill out of your pocket, it says, in God we trust, right? Every, I mean, this is what our country was founded upon. The ideas are historically based on Christian ideas and follows simplified Christian values but rejects the authority of Christianity and does not consider it the basis of either its ethics or its culture. Can you see our country moving toward post-Christian culture? It's moving that direction. And whether you want to think about it or whether you want to agree with it or not, that's up to you. But we have something very important to maintain. We have something very important to continue to pass down to the future generations that are coming up. I this morning, all these balloons and these posters and every, all these stats, and there, there's a purpose behind this church because if we don't do it now, who's going to do it tomorrow? Because we have been given the baton, us here this morning, those that are watching online, it's been given to us today. You know the answer. You know I'm not trying to scare. I'm not trying to, to ruin your day. I'm just breaking it down so you understand that if we don't do something now, the future generations, the future of the church is very bleak. It's very bleak. Not every country in the world is like the United States. There are many countries in Europe that have been, they've never been Christian. Ecuador has never been a Christian country. They don't know what it's like to experience what we get to experience. This is a hard reality that we have to understand that it's on you. It's on you. It's on each and every one of you. It's not just me. Jesus is living by an example to every one of his disciples. He's laying on of hands. People are receiving their sight. People are receiving uh, their ears. They're open. They're able to speak. People are able to get up and walk when they've no longer been able, they've never been able to walk. You say, Pastor, I just don't have that kind of authority. You don't have that kind of authority because you don't want it. If the Scripture is true and we believe that it's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then why can't we? Why can't we? Something has happened in the generations that are coming up behind me. Something has happened. And we can blame our world, yes. We can blame social media. We can blame Facebook. We can blame Instagram. We can blame TikTok. We can blame uh, all those other things or anything, YouTube, whatever you want to. We can blame all those things. But it's my fault. 
I've got to take some blame. You've got to take some blame. Because if we start pointing at one thing or one thing or another, when you start pointing, you've got one finger pointing to others, and you've got three more that are pointing back to you. Oh, am I doing everything? Probably not. That I need to be doing? Probably not. Are you? No. Do you want your kids, your future kids, your future grandkids to know Christ like you know him? Do you want them to experience what you experienced as a kid? We got a group of kids, I think 12, that are going to camp this, this week, leaving this afternoon. They're going to camp. Their lives can be changed forever. I went to camp as a kid, as a youth. I went as a, as a, as a youth pastor. I went as a leader. I went, and it can change your life. It's camp. But what happens when you come back home and you experience church and it's not like camp anymore? Mom and dad are there. They don't raise their hands. They don't pray. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not casting judgment on anybody. Don't, don't think me, don't think of that this way, because I'm not. But see, your kids, they think that, and they go to camp, they think this is what it's supposed to be like. And then they come back home, and it's not. I'm not, I'm not asking you, I'm not suggesting that you, that you will jump and, 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 and jump when, it's, when they're singing the, the songs in, in praise and worship. I'm not, I'm not asking you to do anything crazy or anything stupid. I'm not. But sometimes when the Lord moves upon you, you choose to not, and it has nothing to do with any one person but yourself. What's somebody going to say? If Jesus is living by example, and he's saying that the harvest is ready. People that you come in contact with every single day, they're part of the harvest. The harvest is full. It's ready. The workers are few. There are many reasons we hesitate to share our faith. Sometimes because we think we have to be someone important. I listen to a lot of Billy Graham. I love to listen to Billy Graham. If our musicians will come back this morning, singers, whoever's coming. I love to listen to to him. I listen to a lot of a lot of ministers throughout the week. But Billy Graham was a man that never had to shout. <laughs> For the most part, he stayed right here behind the pulpit. Never got very loud. But thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Gave their heart and life to Christ because of that man. Man, he can give an altar call and people will respond. Think I can't do that. <laughs> it goes through my mind every week. Sometimes you think you might be like 
Uh, you got to be somebody like Jim Elliott, missionary, along with his team in Ecuador, gave their life to an unreached people group. Sacrificed it all. Sacrificed their life for the cause of Christ. But we don't have to be like them because why? We are not them. If God doesn't make mistakes, and there are no such things as accidents, He created you for a purpose. He created you with a purpose. You're not an accident. He's got a design and an appointment for each one of us. It may never to be to stand behind a pulpit like this in, in Hector, Arkansas, or in the stadium filled with thousands of people and be able to preach to millions over your lifetime. Maybe it's never to get on an airplane and fly to a different country and be able to preach to an unreached people group. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's your neighbor across the street that family member down the road. I've heard this said a, a bunch of times. Well, I, when I grow up, when I get this in line, I, I was talking with a guy a couple of, my, I guess it's been about a month ago, pulled into the church parking lot. I said, man, we'd love to see you at church. Ah, preacher, I'll be there. I'll be there. When I get things right, when I get things, I got some things. I said, what are you waiting on? What has to be in order before you to come to church? What has to be in order for you to find Jesus? Oh, I just got to get, I got to get things. When, things. when things are right, I'll be there. I'll be there. Why do we make excuses? You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to graduate from college. You don't have to go on a mission trip or go on the mission field. Each and every one of us can welcome others into the family of God just by being Jesus to them. Just by living the example, if it's through a Sunday school class, through a little kid or a nursery and, and changing a diaper, which some of you might think, that's just gross. You wait till you change the diaper of your grandbaby. It's something special. I used to say this. That's the church of tomorrow. It's not the church of tomorrow. That's the church of today. It's the church of today. During worship, I saw Esther. She was crawling. She went around the altar. Cortland had to chase her down. I love it. I love it. Maybe she's going to be a preacher. Prayer warrior. church of today the church of today just stay with me all over this room one of the big things that people people always say well, I, I can't witness I can't do any of that because I don't know I'm scared of what they might ask what if I don't have the answers let me, get, let me give you permission right here, right now. You have the permission to say, I don't know. That's pretty easy to say, right? I don't know. I don't know. But I know somebody that might be able to help us.
My phone number is 479-601-6977. I'll do my best. If I don't know it, I have friends. I have family. I have my grandpa sitting right over here. My Aunt Sherry, my Uncle Terry. I mean, I have all of you, right? I have my wife, Pastor McKenzie. How many times do we have conversations and we say, what do you think about this? You have permission to say, I don't know, but if you'll give me a minute, or if you'll give me a bit, if you'll give me a day or two, I'll do my best to find your answers. See, that's not hard. It's not hard. It's okay. You don't have to be perfect. But if others don't see you as serving or as honoring God, not just in part of your life, but in every part of your life, when you're at home, school, and you post online, when you're hanging out with friends, they'll have a hard time trusting you when you tell them about Jesus. It's important. But when they see you living it out, it makes all the difference in the world. It makes those conversations a little bit easier. It makes them a little bit easier. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're here this morning, say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not where I need to be, but I want to be. Someone spoke into my life a long time ago. That's the reason I'm here today. If you're watching online, you can leave us a comment. You can send me an email. Say, Pastor, somebody spoke into my life. Somebody invited me to church. Somebody did something for me. I want to be that for somebody else. But in order to do that, I need to get things right. If that's you this morning, would you slip your hand up and write back down? I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. There's a hand. There's a hand. There's a hand. Anybody else this morning? Yes. There are several hands that are being raised. Right up and right back down. Amen. Amen. Continuing to go up. Anybody else? Pastor, I want to be all I can be for Christ. That's me. That's me. I want to be an example. I want to plant the seed that somebody can eventually grow up and see the goodness and the greatness of God. I want to be the sower. If that's you, would you stick your hand up and not back down? Hands all across this room this morning. All across the street. Yes. Let's do something else for me. I know it's 12 o'clock. But I want to pray for you this morning. If 
if you are here this morning and you raised your hand for any one of those and would like to come down front, I, I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you have a need in your life and you want us to pray with you, if you need healing in your body, I want to take time and pray for you this morning. But if you're here, I want you to come. Come on, don't wait. Amen. Amen. These are open. Come on. Come on. Don't wait. This is your day. Mom Ricky said it. This is your day. This is your day. This is your day. God designed this day for you. For you. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? You need a touch in your body. Come on. Come on. We're praying. 